0: So I want to I pick up where my beautiful wife left off last week, and we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 18 and just re-familiarize ourselves with a little bit of the story, and then we're going to get into some other bits and pieces. And so it says here, and Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is a the sound of heavy rain. Everybody say heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. I don't even think I could do that. Is anybody here who could physically do that? I don't think I could. Too much is in the way. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked, and there was nothing. And he said seven times, he, he said seven times Elijah said, go back, and the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode rode off to Jezreel. And we know that Elijah then tucked up his little outfit and he went running and outran the chariots to Jezreel. But the thing that I want to talk to you this morning about is breaking drought. And the thing that we have to understand is that this is a really cool moment for them. It's an amazing moment for the nation. It's an amazing moment because they haven't had rain for three and a half years. And so we have to understand that before this miracle, before God released the rain, that that Israel, the nation, uh, had been in drought for three and a half years. And when you're in drought, the only thing that you learn to do is survive. When you're in drought, you actually live in survival mode. In fact, it's one of the biggest... uh, drives we have in the human spirit or in the human life, our one drive is to survive, it's to stay alive. When you're in a drought for three and a half years, you are, you are just thinking survival, yes? You are not thinking anything else but your next meal, the next thing to happen, you're just trying to survive. Drought causes you to purely think of survival. All, all you think about is how to survive, you're not thinking about anything else, you're not even thinking about rain coming. If you're a three-year-old child, you haven't even seen rain. To know what it looks like, and so all you're doing is you're just trying to survive. We see that even on our TV and ads by different organizations of people in drought-driven countries, and they're just trying to survive. That's all they think about. They just think about surviving. They're not thinking about rain coming. They're just thinking about surviving. They're just thinking about how do I get through this? you actually don't, when you're in survival mode, you actually don't have the time nor the necessity nor the luxury of thinking about a miracle. You, you, you are just tr- trying to get by, let alone having time out to be able to think about the miracle that's coming or that God's gonna answer your prayers. When we're in survival mode, we ju- we're just trying to survive and then someone says, I can hear the sound of heavy rain and, and I'm thinking to myself, if I was Beside that person, i will mean, be, man, I'm just trying to feed my kids, whatever. I'm just trying to keep my children alive. I'm just, I'm just trying to find their next meal somewhere. And, and you're talking about sound of heavy rain. Just shut up, man. I can't even see any rain coming. I'm, I'm just surviving here. I'm just trying to get through life. And sometimes our situation looks better than our soul does. Come on. Sometimes the situation, he says, I can hear the sound of heavy rain, and then they see the cloud the size of a man's hand. Sometimes our situation looks better than our soul does. Sometimes our soul is so in survival mode that we don't even see the situation changing. We're just trying to survive. We're just trying to get through the drought. We're just trying to live. We, we want God to come. We want God to do stuff. We want to get out of drought, but I don't have the luxury of thinking about that, God. I'm just, I'm just trying to survive. And so you start in faith, but it just feels like nothing. It always feels like nothing when you start out in faith. It always feels like nothing's going to happen, that you're in the nothing stage. and. And I don't know about you or me, but I think there are people here this morning that you're in the nothing stage. You're, you're trying to believe in faith, you're trying to believe that God can do something, but you're just, you're just surviving, you're just in drought and, and the stage that you're in is the nothing stage. You're believing God for something, but you're just seeing nothing. Have you ever been in a situation where you're believing God for something, but you're just seeing nothing? Come on, anybody here been like that before? There's a story of a man in John chapter five, verse one to seven, and it says this sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Everybody say colonnades, such a great word. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one who was there and had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? It's almost like a duh. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else gets in down ahead of me. This poor man, 38 years, invalid, he's stuck. He's in drought. He's sitting there with hundreds of other sick people, hundreds of others waiting for his chance when once a year the angel would come and stir the waters and he'd be able to get into the pool and get out of his drought and get into his healing hoping that at that time, a friend would be around to help him. Because how many people know that, you know, if I'm gonna go on work, I can't hang around with you all day, I can't, I can't sit there with you all day, 364 days of the year waiting for the 365th day when the angel comes so I can help you, hoping that he might get in. The good thing is his friends did drop him there every day, friends with good intentions, saying, man, this is his only chance. This is his only hope. Let's drop him there every single day so at least he's in the right place, yeah? There's a chance for him. There's an opportunity for him. They're trying to help him break out of drought, but I don't know about you, but sometimes, like this man, I feel like the promise of God is just teasing me. It's like a carrot in front of the horse. It's it's close, but it's just so far. It's near, but I can never get there. It's, it's this reality of his chances of getting into the pool is as good as Lotto. And that's why people buy Lotto tickets, because it's the chance, it's the, it's the promise that's just out in front of them. And if I could just get, it's, it teases, it teases you. It's so close, yet it's so far. And because there's a chance, that he could get in the pool one day, he ain't gonna move. He ain't gonna shift. Some of us in our worlds, we're in drought because we're holding on to this one singular promise that we feel like God has given us and there's no way we're gonna shift from that position. There's no way we're gonna shift from that point while there's the chance that that promise could come to pass and in the meantime, we're ignoring 377 other promises. Because we think God can only go one way and so we're holding on like, like God is teasing us and we, we, then we get upset with Him because you, you've, you've put this in front of me but but I can never attain it, I can never get to it. I can never get there. And, it, and you start to give up. Because it's there but it's so close yet it's so far. His friends, you know what, they actually enabled his drought by dropping him there every single day. I'm gonna say this this morning, it might be a little bit controversial, but sometimes the church doesn't help you. It actually helps your drought. Because we can so be busy with trying to help you that we fail to set you free. We drop you off every day and our sympathy is there for you. But you don't need God's sympathy when you're in drought. You need His sovereignty the other thing that, about this man is that there was a system to the healing. When Jesus said to him, if you want to be well, he goes, yeah, I do, but but I've gotta follow this process. And, and if I do this and I do that, and if I do this and this and this, then I can get into the pool and then I can be healed. We function like that sometimes. If I can just get myself right with God, if I pray a little bit more, if I read my Bible more, if I fast more, if I can somehow earn more of God's favour and more, if I, if I can just get this and this and this sorted out, if I get my life right, then I can come to Jesus. Friend, you don't need to get your life right to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and He gets your life right. We we put systems and structures in place in our lives and and we restrict ourselves, we hold ourselves in drought because we think we'll get out as long as I follow this process. No, 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 friend, you get out of drought because God gets you out, not because of anything you do but because of everything that He's done. Come on, friend, stop trying to... Get yourself out, they, they built covered colonnades and, and, and so that they could be comfortable and sheltered from the sun while they waited, while they were stuck, while they were in drought, while they weren't going anywhere. Let's build some colonnades so at least while they're in drought, at least they're protected from the sun. This is what I mean. Sometimes in church, we can put so many things in place to try and help you, to, to try and pass you, to try and care for you, that actually we don't help you at all. Paul said this, he said we do not come with nice words but we come with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you this morning, sometimes what you need is not the sympathy of Christians but you need an encounter with the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what gets you out of drought. Surrounded by people that were suffering the same drought, his his vision was inhibited. He spent his whole life from this position His perspective, he couldn't see anything. All the people that he talked to were at the same level, at the same position and the same problem, all waiting for one day, hopefully, being able to get into the pool. Friend, when you surround yourself with a whole lot of people that are in drought, and that are stuck, all you have is the same perspective. You can't see the rain coming. You can't recognize it when it comes. You don't see Jesus. You just say, oh, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. They're in such survival mode that when Jesus came, he couldn't even hear the sound of heavy rain as Jesus came into the room. We're so used to fighting for survival that we don't know how to recognize God's blessing when it comes. In Acts 3 there's a story of another man and it says this one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer and at three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Everybody say Beautiful. Where he was put every day to beg from those in the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John and then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave his attention expecting to get something from them. Have you ever found yourself in a beautiful place but in an ugly situation? Have you ever found yourself in church every single week like this man but you're just in an ugly situation? Nothing seems to change. Nothing seems to shift. The problems are still the same problems. The circumstances are still the same. The situations haven't shifted. I'm here in church in the right place, the beautiful place. In fact, the beautiful gate was on the east side of the temple, and on the east side of the temple is where the Spirit of God would enter into the temple. He was doing everything he could every single day. Have you ever felt like you're doing everything that you can when it comes to following Jesus, everything that you know possible, but you're still in drought, you're still stuck, You're still lame, you're in the right place, but the situation just hasn't improved. See, the problem is when you experience drought in one part of your life, it affects the whole of your life. This poor man was in drought in his legs, he was lame in his legs, but it affected his economy because he had to sit at the gate and beg for money. He couldn't go and get a job and earn money when you're in lameness, when you're in drought, when you're stuck spiritually, it affects every area of your life. You become discontent in home. You become discontent in your soul. You become discontent in your workplace. You become discontent in everything because it's not just dryness that starts in your spirit, but when there's a lameness and a dryness and a stuckness in your spirit, it affects every area of your life. Like this poor man, lame with one thing, couldn't have legs, but it affected his economy. It affected even his his image of himself because he's looking down while he's begging for money. I see this when I used to be a youth pastor in Manurewa and the kids would walk around with their heads down, looking at the floor, and God would say this, lift up your heads, look to the heavens to where your help comes from. You're not gonna find it looking down. You'll only find it looking up. And once again, his friends are trying to do the right thing. They're bringing him every single day. Like I said before, sometimes the church doesn't help because sometimes we rescue you instead of restoring you. The church needs to be a place not of rescue, but of restoration. The man didn't need to be rescued from his lameness. He needed his legs to be restored. You don't need to be rescued from your situation. You need to be restored. The Bible says this, that the years that the canker worm has eaten, that God will restore back to you. God's not in the rescue business. He's in the restoration business. And so often we don't help you sometimes, the church, because we rescue you rather than helping to restore you. People's sympathy had become his system of survival and he was once again so focused on his survival that he couldn't hear the sound of heavy rain of Peter and John coming to him. I'm here to tell you today that if you're in drought, if you're stuck, if there's a lameness to your life, I have heard this whole week since Sunday the sound of heavy rain for you. The sound of heavy rain that is coming and you're like, yeah, but Craig, I, I've been to God so many times. I've been on unlimited altar calls. I've, I've even had counseling and, and nothing happens. I mean, I've been to the mountaintop so many times and I can't see any clouds and the situation just keeps happening and happening and happening again. Can I say this morning, if that's you, Maybe the problem is this, is that the problem is is that you're looking when you should be listening. He says, I can hear the sound of heavy rain. Maybe the problem that you have, the reason why you have droughtness in your life, is because you're looking instead of listening. The Bible says do not look, But listen, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It doesn't come by looking and looking at the Word of God. It comes by hearing. What's God saying? Not what does your situation look like. Close your eyes and listen. Listen, don't look. Listen for the sound of heavy rain. Peter's in the boat and a storm is raging and Jesus is walking on the water and the storm is going crazy and the waves are crazy. And what does Peter say? He says, Lord, command me to come. Maybe some of your problem is, is you're looking God to rescue you instead of looking for his command in the storm. And then God says to him, come. And Jesus walked Uh, and Peter walked on the water, but he walked on C-O-M-E. He worked on the word, because he heard the word. He didn't look at the storms, but he heard the word. And then it says that he started to sink when he saw the storms. Maybe you're stuck in drought because you're looking instead of listening. You gotta listen for it, not look for it. It's a sound of rain. Faith is the evidence of things unseen, not the seen things. Don't look, listen, what is God saying? Just because you can't see it, doesn't mean that God didn't say it. What is God saying to you? What is God speaking about your situation? Second Corinthians five, seven says, I walk by faith and not by sight. You gotta walk by what he says. Listening, what are you saying to me God? The Bible says this, listen to the voice behind you who says this is the way, walk ye in it. We've got to be listening, friend, not looking. Don't look at your situations. Listen to his voice. The natural operates by sight, but God always operates by sound. I hear the sound of heavy rain. Hear the sound. You see, the problem with survival mode for three and a half years for these people and for you and I is that Some of them hadn't seen rain. And the problem when we're in survival mode is that we don't even recognize rain. We don't even see it. We've forgotten what it looks like. We've forgotten what rain is like because we're looking and we're not listening and we can't see it happening and so we don't hear it coming. But he says there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. I don't know about you, but I would have been thinking that's not enough. Last night, when we had 400, 450 liters of water on the carpet, I rang Trinity and she goes, we've, At the school, we've got one of them wet vacs. It has like a five-liter capacity. Some of us have five-liter wet vacs trying to clean up a 450-liter solution. We, 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 and we look at it and we go, It's, it's not enough. It's not enough. The, it's, it's just not enough. Like, God's doing little things, but it's not enough. No, 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 friend, it's, it, and it's like, it's, it's just nothing. Really, what God is doing for me is just nothing. No, no, friend, it's not nothing. It's just not much. It's just not much. But what you don't understand is that the Bible, when it comes to Jesus, the little was always great. Because when you're faithful in the small things, God gives you much. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, You can command this mountain to be picked up and thrown into the seed. See, you don't understand, little is all you need. You don't need much, you just need little, a little faith in a big God. Some of us, I think we think we need to have big faith in a little God, but we don't. We need little faith in a big God. He's huge, he's massive, he's bigger than anything. If we can celebrate the small, God will always give us the big. Maybe God's brought little blessings your way and you've just dismissed it because in your opinion, it's nothing, it's not enough. No, no, friend, it's not nothing, it's something. It's not much, but it's enough. If you would just put your faith in Jesus, and it says that Elijah, when he heard that, didn't even hesitate. Not for one second. Little cloud size in my hand, he's off. He's running, because he's like, we're gonna get stuck in this thing because he understood that the small was a sign of the things to come. The small was not the end. The cloud the size of a man's hand was not the finale. It was just the entree. It was just the beginning. He understood that when you are faithful in small things, when you just have the mustard seed faith, it becomes very, very big, very, very quickly. And we understand that once he heard that and he ran, that all of a sudden the clouds, the sky became dark. In filled with rain, why? Because he understood something, that I don't need much. It's like the woman who comes to Jesus and says, will you heal my daughter? And he's like, no, nah, we're only here for the Jews. And she said, even the dogs get the crumbs off the table. And Jesus said, oh, no such great faith have I ever seen but in you. She understood all she needs is a crumb, just a little thing from the master's table. And he said, go away, your daughter is well. You see, you've got to understand we need to celebrate the small. God is not abandoning you with little things. The little always leads to the much. And if you can't love him for the little, you'll never find your way to the much. You'll be stuck in drought, stuck in a place. Cloud was small, it was confirmation of what was to come. And so Elijah runs to Jezreel and the rain comes after him. And the drought, the rain was coming and then something happens to Elijah and it's a thing that happens to us too. When God starts to move, the enemy comes in and he intimidates us out of the blessing. It says here in 1 Kings 19one to 3, it says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so, ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. She threatened to kill him and it says in verse three, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Elijah runs, for his life, Elijah runs from the, from the rain he prayed for because of the intimidation of the enemy. I don't know how many times I've seen in my life, or I've seen in other people's lives, God starting to break the drought and then the enemy comes and says things like, you can't break out of this because of your past. You can't break out of this. What would your family say? You can't break out of this because of this and that and the other thing, and it intimidates you and it tells you. In this case, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. It was an intimidation of death, and he's just intimidated by it because Elijah expected God's blessing to eliminate the resistance he was facing. So often we step out of God's blessing because we think God's blessing means smooth sailing. And so he runs away from the rain. He runs away from the thing that he prayed for because of resistance. Have you ever been blindsided by resistance in the middle of a blessing? You see what happens here with Elijah is soon as the resistance comes, he automatically goes back into survival mode. Three and a half years of surviving in famine, he gets threatened with death, and what does he do? He runs for his life. He's in survival mode now. He's he's running to save himself. It kicks in, it's the same with us. Intimidation comes and we back off, rather than push through. It's like when a plane breaks through the sound barrier. As it's going through the sound barrier, the plane shakes like crazy and if it stays in that moment and doesn't push through, the whole plane will shake apart so you either back off to save yourself or you push through to the other side and sometimes when the blessing comes, the enemy comes on and starts shaking you in the midst of the blessing and most of us back off instead of pushing through. Intimidates us, you're not in drought because God wants to keep you in drought it's because sometimes we just kick into survival mode. And now Elijah's running from the very blessing that he prayed for. The thing that he needed the most he's now running from because he's intimidated. Jesus turns up to the man at Bethesda. Do you wanna be well? The miracle is here. It's your moment. The rain has arrived. And the man's response is to explain to Jesus wh- how he survived. It's not I want to be well, but this is how I've survived. And hopefully one day I'll get out of drought. I'll get out of my stuckness. Peter and John are coming. The miracle is on its way. The rain is coming. And his head is down begging for money. He can't even see such in survival mode that he can't even see that the blessing is approaching. You see, the enemy can't keep God from making it rain, but he'll try and keep you from receiving it. It's not that God's not reigning on your life, he's reigning on your life. The Bible says this, that God's favor is always upon you, that he's given you the power to make wealth and all those things. It's not that God's not reigning on your world, it's that the enemy's stopping you from receiving it by intimidating you and, and, you're, and running from the problem, you're running from the promise. See, I'm running from the problem of Jezebel, Elijah was running from the promise the drought breaking rain. Are you running from things that you're prayed for? We can get so comfortable in our survival mode that we can't hear the sound of rain. Nor do we recognize it when it turns up because our focus is on surviving our pain or our focus is on surviving our depression or our failures or our insecurities, or our mistakes, or our regrets, or just surviving my drought that I'm in? Are you running from situations that God has already worked out? Elijah didn't need to run. Elijah didn't need to run at all. Is Jezebel really trying to kill him? If she wanted to kill him, why did she send messengers to threaten him? Why didn't she just turn up with her guards and kill him? Do you really think, Elijah, that God would have you survive three and a half years of drought for you to be killed now when the blessing comes? Do you really think that God has caused you to survive all these years with your pain, with your hurt, with your abuse that you've suffered, just to take you out when He's about to break the drought? Do you really think That you have survived this long only to be killed? Friend, you need to understand something this morning. The devil can't kill what God has saved. The devil can't kill what God has saved. If you are saved, he can't kill you. He can't touch you. The Bible says that I am in the palm of his hand and no one can take me out unless he allows him to. Friend, he can't kill you. He may be able to intimidate you. He may be able to walk around like a roaring lion, but he has no bite and he can't take you out, and there's another lion called the Lion of Judah, and if you run to his roar, instead of away from the enemy's roar, you'll find that the Bible says this, those who run into the tower are saved. When you run away, you have no hope. Running from the problem causes you to run from the promise. And you see, it wasn't the physical lameness of the man at the gate, or the man at the pool, that was the problem. It was the lameness and the drought in their souls because they couldn't see the rain coming. They were looking instead of listening for the rain. Sometimes we're better at living in battles than living in blessing because we're dry on the inside. And friend, today, God isn't calling you out of drought. God isn't calling you out of drought. He's calling drought out of you. You see, we want God to take us out of the situation, but God uses the situation to change us. So He changes us, and then He changes the situation. You see, The drought around you isn't the problem. It's the drought inside you, which is the issue issue because John 7, 38 says, whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, rivers, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Remember that great old hymn. There's a river of life flowing out from. Come on, people help me out here. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out from me. See, here's the thing. The drought on the outside gets fixed when the river flows on the inside. There's a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk, the situation, the blind to see. It opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river flowing out of me. See, you understand when you fix the drought in you, it fixes the drought around you. You see, the solution to your problem, the solution to your circumstance, the solution to your situation is not for God to intervene in your situation, but for God to intervene in you. He wants to get the drought out of you and in getting the drought out of you, the situation shifts. You've been calling it a dry season when actually you're just in a dry place. And I don't know about you this morning, but I can hear the sound of heavy rain. I can, I can see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And, and if we would receive it like a flood, like a flood, we receive. You see, the problem is that we've got to receive it when it comes, not run from it. Not go, it's nothing, it's not enough. Whatever comes my way from him, I've got to receive. You actually don't need to survive. And the reason why you don't need to survive and and the musicians and singers, could you guys just come? Is is because God promises. God promises us something. Revelation chapter 22, verse one to three says this, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every single month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be a curse. No longer will there be a drought. Why? Because that river that flows out of you is a river that flows from the throne room of God and it flows down upon your head and through your entire being. It's called the Holy Spirit and He comes and He floods your life from the very river of heaven. It's crystal clear, there's healing in its leaves and the curse is broken. The drought is over, not because the situation has changed but because we've allowed God to rain upon the dryness of our soul. Instead of running from the problem, we're gonna start to run to the promise. My focus is not on my drought, my focus is on listening. For the heavy rain can I hear what God is saying this morning. Can I hear what He's saying about my marriage? Can I hear what He's saying about my health? Can I hear what He's saying about my finances? Can I hear, am I listening or am I looking? Because the Kingdom of Heaven doesn't operate by sight, but operates by the unseen, by the things that you can't see. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And this morning, friend, if you are stuck in drought, It's not because God isn't raining. It's because the enemy is stopping you receiving because you can't hear. You're only looking. It's time. It's time. Some of you have been Christians for a long, long time. And the Bible has never come alive to you. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You don't because it just feels so dry. And it feels dry because there's an enemy trying to intimidate you. You've tried and it just hasn't worked. The enemy is trying to intimidate you. I can remember, probably in my third year here, just this fear that came over me. Worried about my wife and my kids and I just had this fear that almost like the enemy had said I'm going to if I can't take you out, I'll take your family out. And it started to grip me a little bit until I understood something. Hold on a sec, you, the enemy ain't the head of my home. I'm not even really the head of my home. God's the head of my home. I'm under his covering, I'm under his reign. I'm under his promise. I'm not gonna run from the problem, I'm gonna run to the promise. Because I can hear, I hear what the word says. I can hear what God is saying. I can hear, I, I may not see it, but I don't need to see it. I just need to hear it.